Now, back to Coalfield and Company, live at the Thomas and Mac. All right, on, getting ready for an 8 o'clock tip. Utah State is in town. UNLV looking for a little revenge, and especially for their seniors. It is senior night as they'll honor the four seniors. We'll get into the stories of those guys as the show moves along. A really big week for the Raiders as they're out analyzing what's available in the draft. Obviously, whenever, you know, when all the personnel people are at, GMs, coaches are all at uh, the Combine in Indianapolis, there's going to be a lot of chatter about other stuff. So we open the, uh, the show with some John Lynch comments. We'll get to those in a couple of minutes. And by the way, Caleb Herring will be back with us uh, first time in a little while as uh, Caleb will break down the NFL and also what's going on with the UNLV football. But, you know, a developing story that uh, Adam Hill, of course, saved for the paper, didn't reveal on Cofield and Company, that SOB. Um, he had hinted at something on Monday that a good number of the Raiders personnel people and bosses would be leaving the Combine early because of a big event this weekend around the Raiders. So as it turns out, it looks like the big events are actually a pair of weddings. Mm. So Max Crosby's wedding apparently has been planned for a while. That's that's been, Good. Got fills in. Max Crosby's wedding's been known. They've been counting it down on each other's Instagram stories. That's not news. That's not breaking news. It's not anything new. It's not anything that nobody didn't know. If you if you follow either one of them, Rachel Washburn and I follow each other on Instagram. She's been posting pictures every day going, can't wait to you know spend the rest well, of my for life. For people that don't follow the Raiders every day like me and right. the rest of the audience, I had no idea Max Crosby was getting married. Well, it's not to me. It's it's not a big deal. There's their private lives and their personal lives. If you want to follow them, cool. If not, it's 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 this is not TMZ. This is Cofield and Company, and it's not a gossip column. And it's you know it actually is TMZ, and it is a gossip column. Oh, okay. Well, didn't that's what I, the show is. That's what the show is often. I didn't realize. Are we that. not going to talk about your lifting and then something about OnlyFans chick at a gym? That's but that's not TMZ. That, I mean, to me, that's not that's not that's something. I threw that on there because you like to give me crap, number one. Number two, the other thing is people getting kicked out because of where they're making money is BS. Back to the weddings. Darren so there's, Wall- two, there's, so there's two weddings, right? There's two weddings. So let's set this up and why okay. it's significant. Because yes. you're right. I, it's not really that big a deal to me that someone's getting married on the Raiders. But I do think it's interesting that Max Crosby had a wedding planned. Yes. And then it broke today right. that the celeb couple of all celeb couples amongst athletes in Vegas, Darren Waller and Kelsey Plum, are getting married and it's on the same day right and i think that's interesting that's interesting because the raiders were already planning to come back from the combine now they've got two weddings to attend i have no idea what each what time each one is so i don't know what that means um and i i think there's actually a bigger picture to this like are people gonna get mad like would you get mad if like you know Adam's getting married, and you had an invite for three months, and then all of a sudden I'm like, yep, same day, me too. Who wants to come? And then you're like, okay, you know, now what do we do? Like, I, you know, I get the sense, hey, Willie doesn't like Cofield that much, but eh, you know what, he works with him and gives him, kind of gives him shifts and stuff. So maybe now you're obligated to go to mine instead of Adam's. So it's, it is a weird situation. No? It's a very weird situation in that Waller and Plum um, – are getting married. I, I had a long chat with both of them this weekend at the XFL game at separate times, one on the field, one in the corner, up in the press box. Do tell, TMZ. Let's go. Um, what they say? Why last minute? Come on. I didn't ask them about, about their wedding. wedding. I didn't ask them about their personal life. I asked them about other things or talked to them about other things. I did text with Darren Waller today. He said, 
Thank you for the well wishes. Appreciate it. I don't know why they decided to just – I don't know if it was last minute. I don't know. I, I don't know. I can't tell you. I don't know if it's earlier in the day, if one's later. I don't know if they're doing it in the same place. I have it no sounds clue. sounds like you can find out. I'm not, it's, I'm I was not, working my sources today, and uh, they didn't know which, which time uh, which was at. So. Can, right. can the Raiders brass and all the teammates make both, but then have to miss one reception, go to the other? And while people are latching on to uh, Willie's statement about personal stuff and, and all that, which I, I don't know why you'd weaponize idiots out there who, who are hashtag stick to sports people, but um, my point is in, in a team environment that could create – some waves, right. and we have been talking about who's going to be moved off the Raiders if they were to make a run at Aaron Rodgers. I'm not saying that a last-second Waller and Plum wedding has jacked up everyone's plans, and now people are pissed off. Okay, let me ask but, you a question. But could it happen? No, let me Possibly. ask you a question. Let me ask you a question. Number one, how do you know it was last second? It was last – exactly. We out. don't know if it – we don't so know it was, it was last just, second. It may have just been kept quiet, and, right. then, and then Vinny just got the information. Vinny decided to, yeah, Josh McDaniels in some way, shape, or form said, no, we got to get back because this, 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 and this. And so he throws it in there that both of them are getting married. Now, obviously, it's not last minute. You just, I mean, I can't imagine that, that that's the case, number one. Number two, the only storyline that's here that could potentially cause a rift if that's the case is yes. So I'm not weaponizing people stick to sports people and, and so on to go back to you twisting. I'm just saying Max and Rachel's date has been out there. That's been known. All of a sudden we now know Kelsey and Darren are getting married. Yes, it's a little precarious. Why on the same day? But we don't know anything behind it. We don't know if they checked with one another. Want the skinny on UNLV football? Listen to the weekly UNLV All Access podcast with Cofield and Caleb Herring. A new episode drops each Thursday morning at UNLV All Access on Twitter. Former UNLV quarterback and current voice of the Rebels on radio, Caleb Herring is live right now on Cofield and Company. What's up, Caleb? How you doing, buddy? Let's work on Caleb's connection. I think we might have to do Caleb today via the phone. Uh, one more thing on the double weddings this weekend with the Raiders. It is kind of interesting. Do you think there are some Raiders fans out there who are like, well, wait, part of the staff is coming back and not staying at the Combine to go to weddings? No, because, I mean, you're out there. You, 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 like, you can just, you miss on Saturday and Sunday? That I don't know because I – I've never been out there to cover it, so I don't know the vibe of, like, when you're out there, what you're seeing, and, and, you know, what takes place on what days. I mean, I would imagine you can gather a lot of stuff, and and they may have – they may leave behind some scouts. When they say the team's going back, that could be McDaniels, Ziegler, a couple of the higher-ups, but they could also be leaving scouts there that they just didn't make the invite list. I mean, I I can't imagine, like, like Max went on – email and just hit send all everybody at all at Raiders.com or whatever. And everybody got an email. So I, I would imagine that there's still some people and, and they're going to get that information. They can get video. I, I think that they vetted what, who they want to vet as well. Um, there are going to be players there like Derek Carr being out there to talk for meetings. There's going to be players there that they've met with vetted um, potential draft picks 
I think they they've done their due diligence and they know what they need to do. So UNLV today had day one of spring practice. In case you were wondering, I will not be attending either wedding. I wasn't invited. You actually sounded like you could be invited to actually both. No, I just. That's, I'm actually not mocking. I'm saying I, you, I you actually is, is anyone in the media you think close enough that would get invited to the wedding? No, Vinny. No, no. Derek Carson. Yeah, if, if, if he had a renewal of vows, maybe yeah. Definitely not Wallers. That's a good point. I just, I just remember that part. Yeah, <laughs> that yeah. part. No, probably I, not Wallers. Um, you know who might get you like who might get an Lincoln invite? Kennedy. Come on, it's a color voice. Played Link, Link is Link could be considered media, but you know who else is maybe like someone from the real sports segment that did the thing on Waller? Like, hey, or, you know, um, you think? I'm just throwing it out there, and then maybe people in the dub, like WNBA type media type people that you know that know Kelsey. It's possible. JT? Sideline um, guy. The one, I'd probably get invited to every UNLV wedding if the one, any went down. The one person that I'm I, kidding. I wouldn't get invited to any. The one person that They're I like, thought who? of um, would, might be like um, Ari Chambers. She She's really big with the dub, and she's become sort of a social media um, phenomenon. And she does these social media hits and interviews, and she works inside with WNBA, Athletes Unlimited, and, you know, a lot of women's basketball stuff. So, I mean, I don't know. I I don't know. I don't, and I, I, I don't know about Max. I, I can't imagine that they got any media coming. Well, we know you have a plus one ready to go because we heard about the plus. I wasn't there, but we heard about the plus one of the Lotus Holiday Party. A lot of, <laughs> a lot of comments on that. That must have been impressive. Good job by you. Which Caleb Harrington with us, former UNLV quarterback. Caleb, what's going on, buddy? <laughs> hey, not much. I need to. I got a permanent plus one, but yeah. I think you guys have all met her. But yeah, I want to meet Willie's plus one. Well, I would, you know, uh, previously we were trying to we were having a conversation about two Raiders weddings going on this weekend, and if you were a teammate of Waller and Crosby, and they're both on the same day, you're like, guys, what are you doing? I I can only go to one, so um, I don't know if that splinters a team, but I, I think it's an interesting scenario. Yeah, NFL wise, who like what, they don't talk to each other. Like I feel like that would be something that they would communicate and say like, hey, don't pick this day; it's my day. But I mean, I, I guess it's important. It's your day. It's your day. Now we see where your allegiances really lie. I mean, maybe. <laughs> maybe it, it severs the locker room. So, I don't know. I don't know if it runs that deep, but we'll, well we see. Did, Weddings are serious. We didn't know what was up during training camp, and Darren disappeared. So, maybe we don't know what's up. And who knows? Maybe maybe Darren's been informed that uh, if a deal's on the table, he's on his way. I don't know. So, he's like, I don't care. I'm going to get married when I want. I was holding back, but if they're going to deal me. Yeah. Um, interesting comments at the beginning of the week, uh, and it was really just a report. Diana Rossini from – ESPN said that Derek Carr would like a deal that is around $35 million per year. Willie sent over a story today. Willie, you said that Matt Castle with the 33rd team, former NFL quarterback, had Carr a little further in the rankings, a little further down at 15th behind um, Justin Fields, Jared Goff, ooh, Kirk Cousins, and Trevor Lawrence. What do we all think? And we'll let Caleb answer first. What do we all think about, one, that 15th ranking, and two, a price tag of 35 mil per for Derek Carr? Uh, I think the you know, 15th ranking is kind of based on the season. Uh, Justin Fields being in front of him. Goff had an incredible finish to the season, which has everybody kind of high on him going into next year. So I, I, I get why he's maybe bumped up on a lot of people's lists. Uh, I can't really – just looking at the list, Trevor Lawrence being number seven ahead of Rodgers, I don't think he's done enough to give me that. You know, But Derek Carr, is, uh, to me, he's right in that 10 to 13th lot with quarterbacks 
I would be comfortable putting him up there. I don't think I'd let him slide all the way to 15. I think because the Raiders had such a disappointing season that, again, you you put squarely on Carr for, for all the wrong reasons. But uh, a lot of people tend to do that, as they have for his career. I think just looking at Carr and the way he plays position, he, he, he really is uh, harshly criticized. And I'll put it that way. He, he doesn't deserve a lot of criticism he gets as just a football player. I don't, I don't agree with him being at 15. I would put him squarely in the 10 to 12 conversation. Um, and, and a lot of the guys, I think, looking at this list again, Jalen Hurts being number two to me, I, I, he had an MVP caliber year. He had great success this year. Without his offensive coordinator next year, we'll see you know, how, how much he, he stays up there in a lot of people's minds. But Derek Carr, to me, deserves to be up a little higher on this list. His asking price is actually, considering where the market may adjust to, uh, based on what uh, you know, Jackson gets, what uh, Lamar Jackson gets, and, and how the market always changes for quarterbacks, uh, that's not to me. It's not unreasonable for him to ask for that. I think it's a little bit of knowing yourself, you know, like uh, understanding that you're not the, the prize horse here, especially with Aaron Rodgers kind of really holding all the all the cards right now with this offseason at quarterback. Um, he, he knows he's playing second fiddle, so I think that that made him a marketable choice, honestly, in a lot of people's eyes. They want to go get a guy for the next four or five years. It's not going to be too bad a price tag to say, you know, that much money per year that he's asking for um, when the market shifts again. So I think Derek Carr's playing his free agency right right now, just kind of laying back, not looking like he's too ambitious, not trying to chomp at the bit too much. And I think he'll land somewhere pretty in a pretty decent spot, honestly. I think he, he should. Of the teams that need a quarterback, I think he'll land in a pretty decent spot to have success too. So that being said, speaking with Caleb Herring, um for the for the quarterbacks that are out there, um, where have has your stance shifted at all as we get closer to the draft with the combine going? Um, as far as where who the Raiders should go after, and where you think they should invest their money? Um, well, I think if I'm being honest, the Raiders have already kind of botched the off season, um, and I think that just comes from Derek Carr. I mean. You, you've been in a position where you've been the, – the issue with the Raiders has been the defense for the past four years. I mean, um, and this past season, injuries on offense really hurt the production of the offense uh, and the chemistry and being able to click uh, on that side of the ball. So that coupled with not having a great defense has been, uh, you know, the downfall of the Raiders. So I think that starting off your offseason by removing your probably most important position – um, whether or not Derek Carr was, you know, the greatest quarterback of all time or the top ten, whatever the case may be, you had a capable and competent quarterback. I don't think anybody would have dropped him out of that category. Um, so to remove that piece and now make quarterbacking a- another question uh, without really solving the defensive woes at all, um, basically Derek Carr walks for, for nothing as far as your returns immediately at, on the roster. Um that, to me, starts the offseason off on a, on a bad note. Now you have to consider, do we have a quarterback? Um, and I, so I think that's, that's now become the priority for the Raiders. Um, and so then, again, you go back to guys like Aaron Rodgers, who are now holding the keys to a lot of teams moving forward. Uh, he's the, the domino that has to fall before anything else does. Um, and, and then even if you land a quarterback like that, you are now faced with the same problem you had with their car. You have no defense. So... Um, I think defense has to be the focus. I think drafting accurately with whatever draft picks you do have has to be a, a, a real a real issue. Um, but you have to do something about the defense, and that, that has to be the focus going into 
uh, the offseason or into the into the, the draft and free agency is to build up a defense, some sort of defense that can actually compete with the AFC West and the rest of the league, um, which is just left left in behind from a, a production standpoint. So defense, defense, defense. I, if, if the Raiders can get some defense built, then I, I think they got a shot. Caleb Herring's with us on Cofield and Company. Let's talk to Niners and their offseason quarterback situation because we don't know if both, neither, one of the quarterbacks will be healthy come August in terms of uh, Brock Purdy and Trey Lance. And I wanted to play a couple of comments from John Lynch. First of all, this one I think is referencing the situation in the playoffs when they were basically down to zero quarterbacks, and he kind of hints at the league possibly working on something. Fire this. We may have to look into the quarterback market in addition to Brock and Trey to insulate ourselves from from whatever may happen. All right, so that's uh, his comment about the quarterback situation. Uh, Let's react to that first. So we may have to look at something. I think they need to look at something. I still think they need to bang down the door of Tom Brady. Are you comfy with the Niners going into next season with this freaking loaded team with a big question mark at quarterback? Uh, no, I, I think they need to make a decision, whether it's, it's Purdy or Trey Lance. I, I think they need to have a singular focus on who their quarterback is, or maybe neither one of them is the answer. But there's a lot of things about this window of opportunity that we talk about with the NFL of having the right roster with a, a budget quarterback, essentially, that's on the ascension or that's on the rise, or that's just capable enough to take the roster to the, to the promised land. Um, and the, the Niners have had that window now for – Longer than most teams get it. I mean, you go back to, you know, when, when Jimmy Garoppolo came to the Super Bowl and to the NFC uh, championship game, those two seasons, usually that's all you get because then that quarterback's now in looking for a big contract extension or getting that next contract. So usually it's only a two-year window. And right now the Niners are looking at a three-, four-year window uh, of being a, a true Super Bowl contender with the roster that they've been able to construct. And it's partly because of the quarterback woes they had, right? Like they, they have a rookie quarterback – uh, two rookie quarterbacks this past year with Trey Lance and Brock Purdy that were featured. So they're not paying their quarterbacks much, but eventually the window runs out. Either the, the, the roster gets older, people get traded away, and it, things kind of fizzle out uh, or what have you. So I, I think they, the urgency to get a quarterback answer immediately um, is there. And I don't know how you answer that. Do you go try to get some, some veteran, uh, a la, like you said, Tom Brady, Derek Carr, something, something like that to like come and be an immediate answer to say, hey, this is a Super Bowl winning team right now? Or do you say we, we trust Brock Purdy <laughs> uh, to, to be the guy? I and mean, he has the confidence of the team. I don't know if Trey Lance has that same confidence. I mean, he played very minimal and got injured and was out for the rest of the season. But I think it is urgent with this roster to have your quarterback solidified as early as possible. And right now, that that is a problem for the Niners. And it's crazy to say that they really are a contender and they may have the biggest quarterback question mark of all of the teams. I mean, two rookies, Garoppolo's pretty much out of the door. Um, how do they go about solving that problem? Did they go spend $30 million on Carr? I don't know. I, it's a tough situation because then that basically means the end of their championship window. Yeah, I still think a one-year bridge would be fine, but uh, I don't know where Tom Brady is now, what he's thinking, if he actually did take the year off to try to put his marriage back together. Um, there were stories out on Monday about him trying a stand-up career. There was actually a fake story from Radar Online, and TMZ corrected it, saying that he's considering being part of a roast, which is a little little bit different. Caleb Herring, former quarterback with UNLV, is with us. All right, spring practice starts today, and could not have been easy walking on the field as the team is less than two weeks away from finding out that one of their teammates, Ryan Keeler, had passed away. It's got to be, you know, it was a heavy-hearted day, I'm sure, for for the team. Um, you know, it, it, tragedy 
hits when you don't want it to. I, nobody could have expected um, for this to be the story leading into uh, into the season or you know spring ball. But just Ryan and his teammates, from all accounts, he's a stand-up guy, loved by everyone, um, and really was hungry for an opportunity to play and compete and play. Um, and that's usually what spring ball is. It's you know the re-energized team coming back together and. By all accounts, that's kind of what Ryan represented, the energy ball on the field um, and off the field. So for for that tragic passing to have occurred just 10 days ago, um, hats off to the, to the, to the kids, to the, to the players, for just being able to put it together. Um, I think a lot of it goes to the therapeutic nature of football. And it's, there's, there's no way to really explain it, you know, journaling and all the kind of, you know, meditation, all that stuff is what people tend to think about. But sometimes – Football becomes your form of escape, and I, I, I personally live through that where tough times happen in sports, not just football, but sports and things like that with your team and the people you love, the brothers that you, the bonds that you built there, kind of get you through tough times. And um, it's different, though. I think <laughs> there's a little bit of a double-edged sword there because the therapy of football is also um, tainted by the exposure to your trauma. Like Ryan, it was football. So coming back to Rebel Park, I'm sure, brought back memories and, you know, wanting him to be there because his excitement for the first day would have been just as much as yours. Um, but, I, 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 I ha- again, hats off to the guys. This is something that you, you don't want to live through a tragedy, but you, you want to make it mean something. And I think the playing football right now for those guys may make it mean something. Who knows? But everybody handles these situations their own way. And uh, the tragedy of Ryan Taylor's passing is, is definitely heavy over UNLV football and UNLV athletics right now. But um, trying to move past it and get spring ball started is uh, is is going to be tough, but it's it's necessary. Speaking with Caleb Herring, former UNLV quarterback, and on the broadcast team. So with that, um, you're the quarterback, and you're opening up spring ball. And it's already a distraction, but when you start to see the stories that are coming out and all of a sudden it could take somewhat of an ugly turn if the storyline that's already out there and it continues, does that worsen thing or worsen things or is it it's all in one? It's it's a distraction. Can can it can it be different if it's you know, if there's that added little stinger? Uh, you know, I think the the general motto uh, on football teams and with sports is the locker room is the locker room, and the outside noise is for the outside noise. And even in the normalist of circumstances, that's the case. I think even more so with situations like this, with tragedies on the team, there's no amount of outside noise that should penetrate whatever the locker room's uh, objective is. Um, I think from a teammate perspective, the tragedy was our brother. I don't care what the outside noise was. This is Ryan. This is our guy. We loved him. We knew him. We were closest to him. What we do and how we respond to this is completely none of your business. It's how I would feel as a player. We are going to be together and showing our love and support for his family. We're going to be together and honoring his memory. And we're going to be together and doing what he loved, and that's playing the game of football. And that's what we knew and loved together. And I think that's – in any locker room that I would be a part of, that would be the message that I would want to be the most important. The outside noise, the stories, that's for somebody else to figure out. But I just – you know, my, my brother just passed, and that's what 
I want to do is is honor his memory and, and, and his legacy. And um, as a team, that would be the message that I would want to transcend the locker room. Outside noise is outside noise. You've never been able to control it. Um, so why start now? So the, the, the tragedy would live within that locker room in a very different way than it would outside. And that, that would be my approach. Keller Herring's with us. So uh, day one of spring practice for the Rebels. It was raining sideways, uh, snowing at times this morning. It was cold, uh, very cold. So they got through it. Uh, we also find out that they made some final additions to the coaching staff, newly created position, and Hunky Cooper, Rebel legend, a longtime college football coach, hometown hero. He's on the staff. Yeah, it's a, it's a really it's a really good role. I think the, the, the head director of player development, it's new to UNLV. It's something that was really uh, initiated up at the NFL level with the NFLPA, recognizing the transition from you know being a college athlete to now all of a sudden a multi-million dollar player, and, um, you know having a brand to manage and all the different challenges that come with that. Having somebody in your organization to kind of help steer you in the right direction to alert you to some of the the, the things that may be happening and the, the lifestyle changes that maybe need to happen as you develop as a player. Now it's kind of trickled down to college. Some of the, the bigger colleges have started to do it. I'm glad it's a position that's now at UNLV because I think players do have a transition to make. And even from high school to college, we've talked about it before in the past, it's a whole different ballgame, especially now with NIL and things like that. There are temptations and just campus life in general, just some of the warning signs that maybe kids from different regions of the country aren't really privy to. Getting a, a person that's specifically for that, um, putting together PowerPoints, whatever, just being around in the locker room, having having those tough conversations with players as they make the transition. I think it's important for the overall health of a student athlete. Um, so it'll be cool. And having a former player do it, I think is awesome. Like like that, somebody that lived the experience and is a known name at UNLV. Um, so it's it's a great role, and I'm I'm excited to see what kind of things come of it and how the players develop with that addition to the roster or to the staff, and just having another resource, another tool on your belt to to make college a little bit better experience. Uh, one last point to hit, and we'll have reports on this throughout all the spring practices. They started today. They're going to go three days a week. They're back Friday and Saturday this week. They lead up to the spring game at Allegiant on April 8th. Uh, really, a lot of what I do when I'm out there is just to kind of get a grip on what the roster looks like and with all the newcomers, and then you know there'll be some attrition as well. And I thought it was interesting looking at the wide receiver group because you know Kyle Williams transferred out to the Pac-12. And one of their newcomers is uh, Jacob DeJesus, who's uh, a speedster, return guy. Um, he is little. I mean, he's, you know, he's listed at 5'6", 175. He's a smaller guy. Um, their wide receiver group that I saw working out today, and maybe there was someone missing from the group, but I don't think so, was Ricky White, Seneca McKee, and Jeff Weimer as the holdovers. Zyle Griffin gets a new lease on life because I think last year the coaching staff got kind of down on him. But his sophomore year he produced DeJesus. And then guys who uh, have to fight into the good graces of this staff, like Bradford, Souders, Riles, and Jordan Jakes. And then there are actually three newbies who actually didn't have numbers listed on the roster I was handed. But when I tracked them, uh, it appears there are three walk-ons. I don't know a lot about them. But my whole point is that is one of the areas they really didn't address a lot in the transfer portal. I do believe that this next wave of transfers during uh, spring ball for everybody and right after, Caleb, I think they're I, – I would guess that they would go out and – try to grab another receiver or two, you know, someone who fell out of favor somewhere else. Yeah, I, I think that would definitely – I think there was a strategic uh, approach to who they would go after at what point. Um, and I think this this round, I agree with you, they, they may go after some of those skill and outside positions a little bit tougher than they did 
with the initial recruiting class. But I, the receiving group definitely took a hit with Williams leaving. I think there's still some pieces there, I, for sure. It's not like it's, it's decimated. Um, but it, it's going to be interesting to see the, the trend of how, like what type of receivers they're looking for because I think Kyle Williams maybe fit that specialist, that kind of dynamic player who could be a threat down the field as a runner. We're seeing receivers now, uh, the Debo Samuels types, where they're like, uh, use almost like running backs in certain situations, uh, fly sweeps and, and, so, and so on in the running game. So we'll see if that's the case. And with, uh, with you know, a smaller 5'5", five, five, you know, 5'6", receiver, you're hoping for that to be the case, or you're looking for somebody that's not necessarily a traditional receiver, but that adds a dynamic element to your offense. And I think that is, if that's going to be the trend, if that's going to be how they decide to try to build their offense, um, then it lends to tempo, fast pace, some of the kind of, uh, unusual nature of the new offense that we're going to see installed as we see that unfold. So a lot of it will have to do with what we, we, we see develop as the scheme and how they're going to fill that roster out around that. Um, but right now, I, I think the receiver core will be okay. Um, I, I, I think there's some confidence in some guys, but they're definitely going to have to hit that position group a little harder this next round of, of, of recruitment. And it'll be interesting to see what style of play they go for. And to be fair... All of the newbies are not here yet. So, for all I know, maybe they're just going to go with the newer guys who are on their way, and they may bring in no one in terms of transfers. Because don't forget, uh, in the early signing class, not only uh, – I'm sorry, the middle signing class, not only did the Jesus commit, but they also got a bunch of different wide receivers and athletes. And D'Angelo Irvin, who is a quarterback slash athlete, 5'9", 155, out of Oklahoma – uh, Rayshon Jackson out of L.A., Venice High School. Uh, they also added Corey Thompson out of San Diego, Lincoln High School. So maybe they love their young guys, their true frosh, who are coming in, that you know they're going to slot in there and be in the mix for the one, the two, the three, the four, or the five, the six slots. <laughs> yeah, they, they, may, they, might, they might do that it could, because it could be a developmental thing. They may be confident enough for the guys they have to say, we can get it done with this group, and then we can wait and you know, do the trust the process with our, with our young guys. That could very much be the case. Um, and then you got to think about the learning curve too. Potentially, this offense could be a little bit more complicated to learn. And they, they, you know, the guys that come in after spring ball perhaps wouldn't even be, you know, ready to compete at a high level at the start of the season. So those kind of things factor in. I think when you're making recruitment decisions and position groups, I think you want to have a, a, an extreme amount of confidence that your receivers know the offense and they know what they're doing out there on the field. So that that could all of these factors play a part. And again, there's there's probably so much going on in the war rooms right now with the, the whiteboards full of players and potential candidates uh, for for these scholarships. So yeah, we'll see. It's not an easy task to be on a coaching staff in college, but these are the decisions, and you know the results come in the form of wins or losses in the fall. We'll see if they make the right choices. Caleb, thank you. Good spot. We'll talk to you soon. All right, guys. Take care. There is Caleb Herring, the former quarterback for the Rebels, one of the voices of UNLV football. Also uh, one of the hosts of the Barry Odom radio show. On the way back, I do want to build on a couple of those uh, hires that were announced this morning because Willie's covered Hunky Cooper, is good buddies with Hunky Cooper, and I I think Nico Fertitta being on the staff is a massive move. Follow the guys on Twitter at Steve Cofield and at Willie G. Ramirez or tweet the show at Cofield & Co. You're listening to Cofield and Company, live at the Thomas and Mac. All right, rolling on. We're getting ready for a basketball game tonight here at the TNM. Utah State taking on your running Rebels. Also a big football day around uh, 
UNLV country. By the way, next hour we'll get some updates from Indianapolis and around the Raiders as the Raiders appear to have uh, landed a new defensive line coach. So Paul Gutierrez, Raiders insider from ESPN.com, is up in less than an hour. Uh, two new hires announced this morning, actually multiple hires announced this morning via a press release uh, adding to the staff at UNLV uh, football. Uh, one is Hunky Cooper, who was at San Diego State for a long time and has deep, deep Vegas connections, including playing at UNLV. And then there's Nico Fertitta of the Fertitta family. Uh, here is Barry Odom answering a couple of questions about the additions of Fertitta and Hunky. Uh, we played LSU, and he was there as a graduate assistant. The DB's coach there was a guy that I coached, a uh, small circle, and I met him before the game. We, have, we kept in touch after that and uh, then had a chance to get him in a role here that would be really vital to our success. And so thrilled uh, on the staff that we've been able to put together, and specifically here lately, those two guys. How important is it to get the Fertina family back in the fold? It kind of seemed like the last few years they were uh, kept at arm's length. Yeah, I'm not sure on uh, the past couple of years. I, you know, I, I can't comment on that. Um, but I know the relationship piece that my job is within the city is to make sure that we make, I make, uh, our football program. I want it. I want it to be Vegas's team, and the importance of the opportunities that are here, with great support, is going to make us have the opportunity for the student athletes to have a great experience. And I think those are so so important for not only our this year's team, but if you fast forward five years, what this program is going to look like. We need we need help. Ended here, but. Uh... Nico Fertitta is a, a massive addition. Uh, first of all, the kid wants to work his way up the ranks and you know become a uh, high-level college football coach. He played at Gorman, went to Notre Dame, was there for four years. As Odom just said, he was on the staff at LSU, had a chance to talk to him a little bit last year when Arkansas played LSU. And as I mentioned in that clip, bringing them back into the fold of Fertitta's because they really were held at arm's length. It started with something with – DRF, which I still don't know what the deal was. They funded the building to the tune of $35 million plus, and then like, they just weren't around or embraced the last couple of years. And, you know, I think this is another one of those. There's been a lot of moves where Odom has come in, and there's, there's been some things to correct from the last few years. And the fact that, you know, Nico wants to coach, hey, let's get him in here and let's repair this relationship. And, and he said at the end, Odom's like, there are some really important things we want to do moving forward in the next five years, and you've got to have the support of that family after they supported the program so heavily to get that building done. There's a lot to unfold there with what you just said, um, and we're short on time, but I will tell you this. The arm's length, DRF, let's not forget the power move was Tony Sanchez to get the Fertitas in. She had to make a move, and I think that, that he could held that over her. It wasn't her move, so that was there. Um, yes, you're right, bringing them back in the fold and having Nico, who's got a strong voice and still local ties and knows the local community, is fantastic. Any, anything, I mean, uh, both the families and Nico himself, anything to help strengthen a relationship 100%. with Bishop Gorman? 100%. Massive. They've got, well, the whole if, they valley. Don't get the, if they don't get the best players there, they have to get some of them, and to your point. The whole valley. It's not just Gorman. Let's not forget, the, you, you don't just get born and start playing youth football and go to Gorman. They play in middle school, so they know youth football around town. They, they've been a part of this community altogether. Four o'clock hours on the way. We're going to get you ready for the Mountain West Conference Tournament on the women's side. Also talk about the UNLV-Nevada game on Saturday. Shannon Kelly from Nevada Sportsnet is going to be with us.